All right, if you guys want to grab a seat, we're going to jump right into it tonight. Can't believe that this is our second to last service of the semester. Isn't that crazy? I can just remember, just like it was yesterday, which it wasn't that long ago, but you know, back in August when a lot of you guys came for the first time to Chi Alpha and then throughout the year, and I can just look back to last summer when we were praying and dreaming that God would do something on our campus this year, and God's done that. He's done something amazing as, uh, you know, just last night we uh, baptized six students in water. Just God is on the move. Let's clap for that, by the way. So for those of you that didn't get to make that, it was Abby Green. I think I'm going to forget someone. All right, yeah, let's go Abby Green. Clap for her. Come on. And there's Amanda Diedrich. She's here, right? Somewhere in here. Uh, And then Sydney Monson, Keaton Hole. Keaton Hole. Okay, who am I forgetting? Casey and Heather. There we go. Those two. Boom. Come on. Awesome. Cool, cool. All right. So in the spirit of endings, because, you know, we're about to end this year, and the new beginnings, because we're going to begin the anticipation for next year. That's something I love about the end of a year, is we get to start dreaming for next year. You know, I was just up in the booth up there with the guy who runs, like, the whole union reservation system, and I was reserving table tents in the union and information tables for this fall. So we're already dreaming for this fall. And in the spirit of that, in the spirit of thinking about this fall, in the spirit of senior night, we're going to talk about the future a bit tonight, okay? We're going to talk about God's calling on your life personally, and then also God's calling on our group collectively. So we'll talk about both of it, and it goes together. Uh, And really, my heart has been burning for this message. So when I was on the mission trip about a month ago, I knew that I wanted to do this series called Future Looks Good. All I knew is it was a song by by One Republic, and I liked the title, and I wanted to talk about the future. Then on each day, God downloaded the sermons to me, and this one in particular was just one that was pressed on my heart in a big way, and uh, I'm actually going to talk about a lot of principles that I've read before from other pastors and authors, uh, like really Mark Batterson, if you know who he is, he's really shaped this message, but also God revealed uh, some stuff specifically to me about the text that we're going to look at tonight. So it's probably a text that you've read before, it's kind of part of the Christmas story, and you might just read over it. Uh, and not think that there's anything too profound in there. But God kind of showed me something. So I'm excited to share that with you in just a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to just recap last week. So last week we talked about our calling as a group. So we're talking about that again this week. But or, or So last week we talked about kind of the what, like, so what is our calling and the why. Uh, but this week we'll talk about the how, like how are we going to do it. So last week we talked about our calling. We said it was an amazing calling. We said that our calling is to light up our campus with the love of God. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty amazing, if you ask me. I think that's pretty cool. And our calling is to give all 12,000 students, like every single student. There's no student left behind. Uh, I'm not talking about education, but there's no student left behind. And we're going to give every student an opportunity to encounter God and then to grow with other people. Um, so yeah, we read this verse from Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. This is the calling of John the Baptist. And we said that the calling of John the Baptist is the same calling for us. It says this, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Let me see the next slide here. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So this is our what 
and our why. So if we throw up the next slide here. So our what is we want to proclaim the gospel. Okay? We want to give every student an opportunity to respond to the gospel. The why is to give light to those who sit in darkness because we love people. We want people to see the light. And now this week is going to be the how. So last week we talked about John the Baptist and his calling. Now this week we're going to talk about Jesus when he was just a baby. And this guy named Simeon and this woman named Anna come to Jesus and they prophesy over him. So let's read about it. It's in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, are bringing Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord just days after his birth. So let's read this. It says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. It sounds like a Christmas song. All right, so now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Christ just means Messiah. So so Israel believed that the Lord, that God was going to send a Messiah, a king, to deliver them from the hands of their enemies, to, or to save them. So God had told Simeon that before he died, he would see the Messiah in the flesh. And then verse 27 says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, so like Lion King, picture it. He's holding him up, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And it's a light for, for revelation to the Gentiles. So it's not just about Israel. Okay, Gentiles is non-Jewish people, non-Israelites. So he says it's also for the Gentiles. And that's like most of us here. And for glory to your people Israel. And his, father and, his, and his father and his mother marveled at or at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. All right, we're almost done. And then there was a prophetess, okay? It's not just Simeon. There's a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of someone, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, so she was old, and having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple with worship and fasting and prayer night and day. So the woman probably married her husband when she was around 16, something like that, was married for seven years. He died, and then for the next 60 years or whatever, she's just in the temple worshiping, fasting, and praying. That's a powerful woman of God. And it says in the final verse here in verse 38, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So that's our text. Let's pray over that. Jesus, we thank you for this text. We thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for each student in this place. And Lord, I pray that each of us would hear from you. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be about trying to get a good teaching or even about hearing some good music. But God, it would be this powerful moment tonight where we hear your voice and we hear just what you're calling us to do here at UNI. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, so tonight I'm going to try to do this. We'll see if I get through them all because I don't want to keep you all night. But I have five stories I want to share okay, throughout the message. Five stories of different just men of God who I know personally who, uh, and they just happen to be men, but who have particularly inspired me and encouraged me to chase God's will here at UNI. So when I was a junior in high school, I'll start with the first story. Back in 2009, I was pretty angry at the church. I'd been hurt by the church. Like maybe some of you have had a bad experience in church. And I thought, you know, I don't know what I think about that church. I love Jesus, but not the church. You probably heard that before. That's what I was thinking. And uh, my parents had decided to check out a church in Coralville, Iowa. It's called, the church was called Life Church. It was a church that had been started four years prior. And, and they met in, a, I think, an elementary school. And we went and we sat on these really uncomfortable metal chairs in a gym. It was sweaty. There was like 70 people there. And I couldn't even figure out who the pastor was because he's super humble, super quiet, like laid back guy. I'm thinking, every pastor I've known is super extroverted and crazy. This is weird. Uh, but anyways, uh, so I met Pastor Rich later. Uh, like after the service, I realized that he was actually the pastor, not just a guest speaker or something. And I was intrigued by what God was doing, but I didn't really expect anything to happen with this church. I didn't expect it to grow or anything like that. And if I was Pastor Rich, I probably would have been pretty discouraged, you know, for church planting. So church planting is just, you know, starting churches. In the church planting world, if it's been four years and you still only have 70 people, then you failed. Like you're supposed to grow right away. That's what they say in church planting uh, scenes or whatever. So, you know, but Pastor Rich was just believing and dreaming. And, and my parents decided to plug into the church. A few months later in January of 2010, uh, we finally got our own building. And at the last service of January 2010, we grew to 200 people came that week. And now, so that was in 2010, okay, so this last Easter Sunday, they had 950 people at their church, okay? So if I was Pastor Rich, though, I would have gotten discouraged after year four. I would have been pretty dang discouraged. You know, four or four years into it, you're still meeting in a sweaty gym. You're still sitting on really uncomfortable chairs. You haven't broken 100 yet. But Pastor Rich kept believing that God wanted to do something supernatural in the Iowa City area. And there had been failed church plants before. There had been two failed church plants before through our fellowship. You know, our fellowship sends people to plant churches. There had been two churches that failed. If I was Pastor Rich, I'd be thinking, I'm probably going to fail at this. But he kept holding on. And guys, for us, I want us to be inspired not only by Pastor Rich, but the other stories I tell as well, as just men of God who, who stuck in it for the long haul. And men of God who believe that God could do something even when the circumstances seemed dim. So every individual deals with impatience on some level. So, you know, we want the nicest stuff. We want the greatest accolades. We want the best skills. We want the great degrees and whatever we can get our hands on as soon as possible. So throw this slide up. I believe we live in an ASAP culture. You know, we want it here. We want it now. And a lot of you are working towards your degree. Maybe you're a freshman or sophomore and you're getting impatient. Or maybe you're like been here for like seven years. You're getting impatient. I can understand that. Uh, or maybe you're trying to find a spouse, and it's just not happening for you. Maybe you're getting impatient. Or maybe like me, you're believing that God wants to do something amazing on our campus where we get past this. It seems like campus ministries on our campus have this ceiling where it's like we can't get past the 1,000 students breached by campus ministries. And for me, I'm believing that God wants to break through that ceiling. And maybe like me, you're getting discouraged about that. But no matter what you're waiting for, there's one thing I've learned over the years, and that's good things come to those who wait. Good things come to those who wait for God to do his work. So sometimes God does quick works, but I think most often good things, God things, take time. We have to, to commit ourselves to being patient 
for God's timing. We have to be willing to keep being obedient and doing the right things over and over and over and over again and waiting for God to do his part. So as we look to the future of our group, we have to grapple with the tension of wanting God to move mightily on our campus and celebrating what God's doing in the here and now. We have to grapple with this tension, wanting God to do more, but also enjoying what God is doing in the here and now. So we have to adjust our thinking, or as the slide says, from ASAP to ALAT, okay? So we're going to say, or say that around here, we're going to say ALAT, which means as long as it takes. Okay, I didn't put the I in there because it doesn't fit well. But as long as it takes, we have to be willing to do the right things for as long as it takes for God's will to be done on our campus. And we have to commit ourselves to also living in the moment the best we can. And we have to commit ourselves to this idea, which I stole from Mark Batterson, of long obedience in the same direction. So what do I mean by that? I mean, we have to live a lifestyle of obeying God over and over again for a long period of time, of doing the right things over and over again, and continuing to move forward in a unified direction with tenacity, focus, and passion. So that leads me to the main idea tonight. It's this. If we commit ourselves to long obedience in the same direction, then we will see our personal, so this is for you personally as well, it's not just for our group, but also our collective calling as a group fulfilled. So the sermon tonight is titled Part 2, A Long-Term Calling. So last week was an amazing calling, now it's a, it's a long-term calling. As we consider the future of our group, the Lord has pressed this truth on my heart of long obedience in the same direction. As you consider your own life, I pray that you would let this truth sink into your bones and allow it to shape the way you live. See, we live in a culture that values 20 seconds of fame over a lifetime of obedience. We need to resist the temptation to seek fame and instead seek God and his will. And when we do this, we're going to have true fame in heaven. And we'll accomplish God's will for our lives, which is the most fulfilling thing we can do. So we see this in our reading today. We see a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna who wait and obey God throughout their entire lives, and they keep believing God's promises just for a few moments with a baby named Jesus. Their whole lives, they obey over and over and over again. You know, Anna was 84 years old, or Simeon was ready to die, so he must have been pretty old. And they kept doing the right things over and over again, just for a few moments with Jesus. You know, Luke 2, 27 through 32, it says that the parents brought Jesus into the temple, and then Simeon took him up in his arms and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. His whole life was building up to that moment. That was the climax, that little moment. That tiny moment in the Bible, Simeon, or Simeon waited his entire, his entire life for that, for that moment, and that was enough for him. And then we see the same thing with Anna. It says in verse 36 that she was advanced in years. She had lived with her husband seven years, whatever. And then it says that she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So for 60 years, she worshiped, she fasted, she sought the Lord. And then once she meets Jesus in verse 38, she says, all right, I've done what I'm supposed to do. So both Simeon and Anna, they lived this life of, of obscurity and obedience that was not focused on fulfilling their own selfish desires or chasing their own dreams or securing their own fame or fortune, but instead on something bigger than themselves. And they were, very, or they were rewarded for it with just a few moments with Jesus and a brief mention in the Gospel of Luke. They were rewarded, really, by seeing God's promise fulfilled. And that's what I want to see. I don't care what it is. Whatever God's calling is for me, I want to see that fulfilled in my life. 
Because if we get to the end and we didn't fulfill God's calling for our life, then God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And when I look at Jesus and he says that to me, I want to say, I fulfilled the calling that you gave me, even if it wasn't sexy. Come on. All right, so as we reflect on this passage, there's four things that stuck out to me, four principles. So this is the blueprint for how we're going to do our calling, how we're going to accomplish our mission at UNI. So the first thing comes from verses 25 and 26. It says that there's a man named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the first thing tonight, if you're taking notes, is this. We have to listen for the will of God and believe it, even if it seems impossible or far off. So Simeon was a righteous man. This guy was devout. He had the Holy Spirit on him, even before Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with all believers. Before Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would just rest upon people for special occasions. But the Holy Spirit was continually residing with, with Simeon. And this shows that that Simeon had this special calling and this special intimacy with God. He had an ear turned towards heaven. So I would argue this, guys, that the reason Simeon could hear the Holy Spirit, the reason that the Holy Spirit was on him was because, because he had intimacy with God. And the reason he was able to hear God's will that, or that he was supposed to see the Messiah was because he was intimate with God. So if we want to hear God's will for our lives, then we need to be intimate with him, Okay. We need to spend time with him. And the crazy thing for Simeon is that the promise, or the promise that he got that, or that he would meet the Messiah would seem pretty crazy because in this point in history, in Jew, or in uh, the Jewish people's history, there was 400 years of silence from God. Okay, so there's the Old Testament, and then there's 400 years where God doesn't say anything. And then we pick up here in the New Testament. So in this time of silence, they can't even hear God. No one's alive who heard God's voice. Simeon's believing that the Messiah is going to come in the midst of this. And some of us, we look at our situations, we say, God could never do that. But Simeon refused to look at his circumstances and, and allow his circumstances to dictate the promises of God and to dictate his faith. Instead, he said, I have a, a limitless God. And if he says he's going to do it, then I'm going to take him at his word and believe that he's going to do it. So the first thing we've got to do, if we want to be a group who sees our calling fulfilled, and if you want to see your personal calling fulfilled, is you need to believe the will of God. You need to believe God's plan and call for your life, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems far off. So seven years ago, talked about him before. He's the pastor of a church around here. His name is Jonathan Bartholo, okay? This guy got called by Pastor Tom Jacobs. Tom Jacobs is Ashley Nepper's dad, okay? If you know Ashley Nepper, the or the wife of the pastor of Grace Community. And Tom Jacobs is the superintendent of our fellowship here in Iowa. And he calls Pastor Jonathan and says, hey, would you be willing to start Chi Alpha in Iowa? Okay, so at that time, seven years ago, there was no Chi Alphas in Iowa. And uh, Jonathan's a crazy guy, so he said, sure, I'll try starting this. And, and just like with Pastor Rich, there had actually been a few times where people had tried to start Chi Alpha here in the state, and it actually failed. But Jonathan believed God, and he came here, and he said, okay, I'm going to do this. And he started by pioneering this campus. Okay, pretty cool. So Jonathan was my pastor when I was a student here. And then he also called up Tony and Drew Meyer, okay, these two brothers, and said, hey, would you come from North Dakota and plan at the University of Iowa and then Iowa State University? And they both decided to come and do that. Okay, and then he also oversaw, let me see here, there's so many campuses I got to look. 
the pioneering of Simpson College, of Clinton Community College, of Iowa Central Community College, of Upper Iowa University, and Drake University. So now, seven years later, he hasn't even been in Chi Alpha for three years, okay? He's been gone for three years. But now today, so he did that all in five years. And today, Chi Alpha is on eight campuses in Iowa, and it's thriving. Seven years ago, it was on zero. Seven years ago, there was like four students sitting in the union, and there was some old guy playing guitar, and they were just hanging out. That was Chi Alpha seven years ago. And now look what God has done today. And this is only the beginning. But Jonathan believed God's promises even when it seemed impossible, even when it seemed far off. So God may give you dreams that seem crazy, but I'm telling you, if they're from God, if you're intimate with Jesus and you're actually hearing his voice, if it's your own idea, then okay, that's your own problem. But if it's actually God's thing, then you need to believe it and then just walk by faith and keep pursuing that. So the second thing comes from verse 27 and verse 28. It says, and he came in the spirit. Get that. He came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. So we're going to stop there. So the second thing, if we want to fulfill our calling, personal calling, collective calling, then we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit who can lead us to the right places at the right times. So in a fulfillment of God's promise, the Spirit leads Simeon into the temple at the same time as Joseph and Mary and the Messiah. At just the right time, the Spirit leads Simeon to encounter Jesus the Messiah. So out of his intimacy with Jesus and his sensitivity to the Spirit of God, Simeon was able to hear the will of God, and he was able to follow the leading of the Spirit to go to the right place at the right time so he could meet Jesus. If we want to fulfill our calling here at UNI, and if you want to fulfill your calling, then you have to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and listen to what he is saying. And it might not be what you think he should be saying, okay? Because he's the Holy Spirit. He's different than us. He's going to tell us something maybe different than what we think. So you have to be in sync with what God wants to do, not what you want to do. So here's the thing. Some of you have dreams that are great, but they're just not from God. And God has something way bigger for you. For me, I wanted to be like a senator and be living in D.C., okay? That would have been fun, but that wasn't God's calling for me. That's what I was pursuing when I was here at UNI. I pray some of you have an idea of what you think you want to do, and it's just not from God, flat out. I'm not saying you're disobeying God, but you just haven't heard his voice. So I would encourage you, try to develop a sensitivity to the Spirit and hear what he is saying. He might tell you to do something different than what you think you're supposed to do. You know, some of you seniors are like, crap, I'm about to graduate. But anyways, <laughs> but this comes through spending time with the Lord and then also uh, spending time with the Lord as a group and then actually follow, or following through on what you think he's saying. You have to actually follow him. So that's not just with the big grand calling on your life, but also if God says, hey, go talk to that person, the only way you're going to know if it's from God is if you go do it. And you might go to this person and say, hey, the Lord told me that I was you know, supposed to encourage you and just say, hey, that test is going to be fine or whatever. And that person might say, dude, you're crazy. I don't have a test today. I don't even go here. I'm just hanging out in the union. I don't know. That might happen to you. But the only way you're going to get to hear the voice and get to understand what God's voice sounds like is if you actually walk by faith and try it. So you might fail. It might look goofy. But hey, at least you tried, Okay. So as you do that, you're going to start to hear God's voice. As you begin to obey God's leading in your life and obeying what he's telling you to do, then you'll start to understand what his voice is. You know, for me and Emily, as we considered uh, buying the house that, or that we just bought, the reason I could hear God's voice about that was because when uh, God, or back when God told us to transfer from you and I to go to Bible college, it was the same, it was the same voice. I heard the same voice. It was like, I didn't know, like, I was kind of uncertain. I was like, I don't know if I should do this, but I kept feeling this punch in my gut, like, you're supposed to do it. And I could recognize God's voice, because in the past, I had obeyed God, even when some things might have 
seem like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Because there, to be honest with our house, just a little background so you can understand what I'm talking about, there's a few things that were actually wrong with it, and we're like, I don't know, we can fix this. It seemed like it could be really bad. But then as we got contractors in there, like after we walked by faith, we realized things weren't as bad as they or as bad as we thought, and then we actually got some money from the sellers. Like, just crazy things happened where we didn't have to take anything really out of pocket. So I had to walk by faith, though, first to see that happen. I had to trust God's voice, and the reason I knew it was his voice was because I had heard God's voice in the past. So for you, you have to start walking by faith. If you want to start actually learning how to hear God's voice, then you have to take a step of faith. If you just keep sitting in the boat, you know, sitting in the boat like Peter walked on water, like how did he walk on water? He got out of the boat, and he obeyed Jesus. So if you're just sitting in the boat, you're, like, you're never going to see God's will done in your life. So there's that. All right. So I love this story. So the third story of this church in Clinton, Iowa, it's, it's called uh, or the River Church, okay? It's a partner church of Chi Alpha's. Just four years ago, I was a college student. I was sitting at Life Church, actually, so the other church I told you about in Coralville. And uh, this guy comes in. He looks like he's like 22. And they come in and they say, hey, God's calling us to plant a church in Clinton, Iowa. And I'm thinking, hey, you're crazy. I, I would not go to Clinton, Iowa. No offense to Stephanie. She lives in Clinton, or from Clinton. But I would not go to Clinton, Iowa, and there probably won't be a successful church plant there. There's only 20,000 people. You know, church planters, they want to go to the big, sexy cities so they can build a big church. But Jeremiah said, I'm going to believe God's will. He's telling me to go to this city and plant a church at this time. So Jeremiah did it, and now they have one of the largest churches in our state. They had 1,800 people at their church on Easter Sunday. That's last week. Because they obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they went to the right place at the right time. Sometimes God will call you to go to Clinton, Iowa. Are you willing to obey his voice? Because I'm telling you, I bet Jeremiah, Pastor Jeremiah, is one of the most fulfilled pastors in our state. And he's in a town that you wouldn't think you'd want to live in. But it's because he's in the middle of God's will. And he's seeing the Holy Spirit move. I think that's a cool story. I don't know about you. Four years ago, going to Clinton, and now they have 1,800 people at their church. That's amazing. All right. God deserves praise for that. Can we just give God praise for that? Because seriously, if he does it there, then God can do it here, okay? God did it there. He can do it here. All right, so let's go to the third point here. It says this in verse 29 through 32. It says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples and a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. So the third thing, if we want to fulfill our calling, then we have to be willing to devote our entire lives to a cause that is not about us. It's not about you. Are you willing to do that? Because your calling that God has for you probably isn't about you. I'm sorry. It's probably not about you getting famous. You might get famous in the process, but it's probably not about that. It's not about you getting a lot of money. Like you might get some money in the process. That's a blessing. But it's probably about advancing his name and loving people, okay? You know, Matthew 28 says, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's the calling on our lives, the universal calling. So for you, your personal calling should probably fit somewhere in that. And that's not about you. That's about making disciples of all nations. So if we want to see our callings fulfilled, then we have to be willing to devote our entire lives to a cause that is not about us. So Simeon had devoted his entire life to seeing the promise of God fulfilled, to see the Messiah in the flesh. He devoted himself to something that was not about him at all. Like it wasn't about his fame, his fortune, his comfort, or anything selfish. It was about something bigger than himself. It was a, purely about seeing the will of God done on the earth and doing what he was called to do. And what's funny about this story is although Simeon was not chasing his own fame, his story is actually written in the best-selling book of all time. 
and his obedience has been marveled at for generations. So the people who usually get the most fame, at least in the kingdom, are those who aren't seeking it for themselves. So Simeon, some old crazy prophet dude, just pursuing the will of God, his story is now in our scriptures. And every year around Christmas time, you'll probably come across it because he was obedient in the obscurity. The same thing for Anna. So if we want to be great in the kingdom, then we have to be willing to devote our lives to things that actually, like we may never see come to pass. So Simeon was blessed to actually see Jesus come in the flesh, but sometimes you may be called to devote yourself to something that's actually going to happen after you're gone. So some of you pray for this campus, you believe for this campus, you are great smart leaders, you're a great, uh, you know, just person in Kyle, and you're just believing for God to do something, and God might not do everything that you think he wants to do on this campus until after you're long gone. Are you okay with that? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. I have to ask myself that. Am I okay with just praying and seeking and loving on you guys, even if I'm not going to see the rewards of this ministry, which I think I will. I'm believing I will. I think I'm going to see this place filled up. But am I okay with it, even if I don't see that? That's what God's been asking me, and I think he's asking you that too. Because I'm telling you, when we get devoted to a cause that's not about us, that's when God's going to start showing up. I really believe that. So I'll tell the fourth story. Okay, we're almost through the stories. But it's a story of a farmer named Brad Lewis. Okay, and this guy... Uh, it was just this farmer pastor guy living in North Dakota. He pastored a Chi Alpha at uh, NDSU for 20 years. He had about 60 to 100 students in his Chi Alpha. You know, like nobody knew who he was, you know, nothing like that. And then there was this, just this uh, series of events where God just brought things together at the right time, and there were a few key students who came in at the same time. And there was a group of students who just began to believe that God wanted to change their campus. And they began to pray all night. They began to go to the pastor of the church and said, hey, can we get into the church? Can we get the keys so we can just pray at the church all night? You know, we'll brew coffee. We'll just be here all night praying and seeking God. And they just believe that God wanted to do something on their campus. It was about 10 years ago. And that group grew through those students and through the ministry of Pastor Brad from 60 students to 800 students in just a couple of years. Okay, after 20 years, Pastor Brad was there for 20 years. 20 stinking years it took for that group to grow beyond 60 students. Are you willing to be a part of something that actually might not see its true fulfillment until 20 years after you're gone? Are you willing to do something for 20 years over and over again, keep doing the right things over and over again, and keep waiting for God to do what he's promised to do? Because I believe that Pastor Brad probably heard a promise from God, like I feel like I've heard, that, that he just wanted to change the campus. But for 20 years, he had to keep holding on to that promise, keep doing the right things over and over again. And now Pastor Brad is the author of the book that each of us use for smart group leader training. If you're a smart group leader, it's like Pastor Brad wrote that book, Training You to Be a Smart Group Leader. And people know him all over the country. He's actually raised up hundreds of pastors and missionaries and leaders. He, he's indirectly, like he's actually the reason Iowa, like, you know, Pastor Jonathan, obviously. But then Pastor Brad was the one who sent Tony and Drew and the guy to Upper Iowa University and some other people to our state to plant Kyophas here. So indirectly, he pioneered these Kyophas in Iowa. But it took 20, 30 years for that to happen. Are you willing to do something for 20 or 30 years? That's the question we have to ask ourselves tonight. All right. The last few verses here, verses 36 through 38. It says this, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of, I don't know his name, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years... <laughs> And having lived with her husband seven years, all right, I'm going to skip down. The part I really want to focus on is she did not depart from the temple. She worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day. This woman is amazing, spiritual giant, 
Come on. Fasting and worshiping and praying for 60 years in the temple, just seeking God's face. I got to be honest, guys. I'm not nearly that desperate for God to move. I think I'm desperate, but then I read stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not very desperate. I might pray for 20 minutes a day or something like that for God's will to be done on our campus. And all the other times I'm trying to do stuff and make things happen myself, but, you know, Brianna, she just prayed. She fasted. She worshiped. 60 years. And then at the end of the 60 years, she got to see a little baby, Jesus. She didn't even see him die on the cross. She didn't see his miracles, didn't see the amazing things that he did. We just got to see a little baby, probably a pretty cute baby. You know, it's Jesus. I'm assuming he was cute. I don't know. But that's all she got to see for 60 years of worshiping, fasting, and praying. So the last point is this. If we want to see our calling fulfilled, then we have to get desperate for more of Jesus. I love Anna's desperation for more of God. And I think about myself and I feel really convicted. This woman was desperate. 60 years, and sometimes we can't even spend six minutes praying, fasting. You know, some of you fast for like four minutes, and you're like, all right, I'm done. That's good. <laughs> I love her desperation for God, and I'm telling you guys, if we want to see God fulfill like your personal calling on your life, if you really want to see it all come to pass in the way that God has planned it to be, which is way better than what you could ever imagine, then you have to get desperate for him. You've got to get desperate for God to change your heart. Because the thing with Anna is I don't think that she was really desperate for anything amazing to happen. I don't really think that's what it was about. I think she was just desperate for more of him. I think she was just desperate for his face. She just wanted to know him. And then like, because she had that heart, she got to be part of something that was really amazing. In Psalm 27.4, David, he's being chased by these evildoers who want to kill him. And in the midst of this, he pens this beautiful verse. You know, his life is just, you know, crap's hitting the fan. And he says this, in the midst of this, he's about to be killed. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Although it's good to have dreams for this campus, it's good to have dreams for your own life, to be amazing, to do something awesome, that's cool, I mean, encourage you. I hope that there'll be a day when I'm old and I see you guys on the news like you know, you're running Microsoft or something. I hope that happens. But at the end of the day, we need to have a primary focus, a primary singular focus. Just one thing. One thing I ask, one thing I seek that I could gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. And I pray that when people come into this group, when people meet you, that they would say Kyle is a group that is fascin- that's infatuated by the beauty of the Lord. They're focused on him. When they sing, Jesus, we love you, they're not just singing along, but they truly mean it. Our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. That's Chi Alpha, and I pray that that would be our group. I pray that that would be you. Now, some of you, maybe you're a spiritual leader in this group or whatever, but if you're honest, you're not actually desperate for the face of God, and I pray tonight that you would have a moment with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who laid down his life for you, and that you would say, God, make me desperate. God, help me to love you more. Help me to seek your face. When we start to get desperate for more of God, that's when we're going to see miracles happen on our campus. So I'm actually not going to tell the fifth story tonight, guys. Sorry, I told it in the fall. But guys, if we want to see God do his thing on this campus and in our lives, then we have to be committed to desperately seeking his face with everything we got. It took 60 years for Anna to see the fruit of her 
her spiritual longing for God. It took her 60 years. So how long are you willing to wait? Are you willing to seek God with everything you got for all the days of your life with no reward? Are you willing to do that? It's not about you. Are you willing to seek God when it's not about you? It's not about you getting promoted in ministry or doing something great. It's not about you at all. It's not about trying to get God in your debt so he just has to bless you. Some of you seek God because you want him to bless you. You're like, I'm going to seek you because I want some blessings. I'm, you know, look at me. I'm on my knees. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm worshiping God. You know, you got to give me some stuff by now. But are you willing to do that even when you don't get anything in return? As we look to the fall and we dream big dreams about what God might do in our group, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Are we willing to seek him even if we don't see the things that, or see the things that, that we feel are promised to us happen? So we come back this fall. Okay, I'm believing. This is my goal, and I'll say it right here because I just believe it's from God, that like, we never broke 100 as a group for attendance. I know it's not about attendance, but I'm a numbers guy, so bear with me, okay? I believe that the first service this fall, we're going to have at least 120 students here. You can take that to the bank because I really believe that's going to happen in faith and proclaiming that. But even if that doesn't happen, even if there's actually less than there is right now, there's like 40 or 30 or 20, am I going to be okay with that? Hold me to it. I'm going to be okay with that, okay? As long as I'm seeking God's face, I'm doing what he's telling me to do, okay? All right, so the worship team would come up. We're going to sing Spirit Move, so I'm picking the song for you. And there's a reason for that. I'll tell you why in a second. So the main idea tonight is this. If we can... Or commit ourselves to long obedience in the same direction, then we will see our calling fulfilled. As I think about the future that God has for each of us personally, I'm so encouraged because I believe that God has huge plans for your life, huge, huge callings. You know, so for you music majors, there's a lot of you here. I believe God wants to use you to reshape the or the music scene. Okay. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was in music, it wasn't super godly, okay? When I was in music in high school and all that, I believe that God wants to use you to reshape the music scene, and specifically music education. So education majors, I believe that God wants to use you to influence schools for the kingdom. Now, I'm just going to be honest. The government has way too much influence on our schools, okay? That's just the reality, okay? There's so many things you got to fit. You can't talk about God, whatever. I, I totally get it. But I believe that God wants to send or send out some lights into his campus. Our campus is all across our state, all across the nation. Teachers who are willing when a student comes and asks them, hey, can you tell me about God? Because I think you can talk about it then. I don't know. You can talk about it if they come to you or if it's private. I don't know. But there'll be opportunities. I believe that God wants to send teachers into our schools that are going to be able to answer those questions well. They're not going to be political, okay? They're actually going to answer the questions because they're not afraid if they're going to lose their job. I'm just saying one thing, okay? I know you got to obey the rules. I get it. But when I look at the scriptures, when I look at the book of Acts, they did not care about the rules. They were supposed to obey the will of God. They got actually murdered for it. So teachers, come on, have some courage. Have some courage. So I don't want you guys, like teachers, when you go from here, I don't want you to say, I want to come to you and say, hey, how many students you led to Jesus? Because I'm going to ask you that, all right? I don't want you to say, oh, I'd, you know, Pastor Daniel, like, I can't talk about God. I'm not saying you should lecture about it or talk about it, you know, in front of the group. Be smart, be wise, but be bold as well and be courageous. And when the Holy Spirit says, go, you do it, all right? Even if that means losing your job. Now, I'm not saying be stupid, okay? So hear me out here. But I'm saying God's put you there for a reason. 
All right, so last major that I'll point out is business majors. God wants to use you to shape the business world. So here's the reality. Chi Alpha is funded by people, okay, by people in churches. I can't, you know, pay for everything that we do in Chi Alpha. I can't pay my own salary. That doesn't make sense, okay? I can't do that. It gets paid by other people. And God wants to use some of you to make a lot of stinking money, okay, you're not just going to fund everything. You're also going to be involved in the kingdom. You're going to be in ministry yourself in your local church, you know, reaching out to people in the business world. But God wants to use you to, to be brilliant, to make a lot of money, and then to fund causes around the world for the kingdom of God. So whether it be Chi Alpha, whether it be sending missionaries overseas, doing whatever, you know, building wells in Africa, fighting human sex trafficking, I don't know. But God wants to give some of you a lot of money because he knows he can trust you with it. All right, so last group I'll say is everyone else. God wants to use you to shape whatever sphere of life you're in, okay? And then I just want to say this too. There are some of you, you're called to full-time ministry and you have not accepted it yet. God wants to raise some of you up for full-time ministry, okay? So I'm just going to drop that. So I pray that as you remember God's calling for your life and God's calling for our group, that you would commit yourself to these four principles. So throw them up there again. Four things. Let's go with the first one. To listen for the will of God and to believe it, even if it seems impossible or far off. Okay? Second thing, follow the leading of the Spirit who can lead you to the right places at the right times. Three, devote your entire life to a cause that is not about you. And if you take something home, take that one home. Devote your entire life to a cause that is not about you. And fourth, get, or get desperate for God. So the reason I want them to play Spirit Move, okay? There's a reason for it. At the mission trip, they played this song. And you know, a lot of times when I think about Spirit Move, I think about tongues. We talk about tongues in here. Some of you are like, what are tongues? We'll talk about it sometime, not tonight. Prophecy, things like that, you know, miracles, God healing people. Those things are amazing, okay? I think about those things when I think about the Holy Spirit moving. But God began to press something on my heart. He said, Daniel, like those things are great. I use those things to lead people closer to me. But when the Spirit moves, it's when people get this supernatural understanding of, first of all, the true weight of their sin and how they've truly fallen short. That's part of it. But then to counteract that, to make it all the more beautiful that you've actually come to those terms, to also understand how much God loves you in spite of that. And that was the experience I had during the song. I, I was sitting there, and to be honest, I was thinking about some of my shortcomings. I was overwhelmed by them. Like, God, I've totally screwed up in these areas. And in the midst of that, Jesus said, I'm your friend. I love you. I'm for you. And that changed me. So when you think about the Spirit moving on our campus, sure, great things will happen, healings, all that. But I believe that the Spirit moving in its purest sense is when people have a deep understanding of God's love for them. Okay? So if you guys would stand with me. I pray that we commit ourselves again to these four principles, all right? To believe the impossible. Okay, to believe the impossible, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, which is a, the Holy Spirit's about telling people how much he loves them, okay? To devote our entire lives on this campus to seeing Jesus' name lifted up, all right? Please do that. Please don't blow it. Please don't devote your entire time on this campus to building your stupid resume, okay? I said stupid. Please don't, because God has placed you here at the, the campus is this place where People from around the world gather. We have students from Saudi Arabia, the country we prayed for tonight, on our campus. 
There are students who have all kinds of different beliefs, students from all over the world, and God has placed you here for such a time as this to share his love with them. And your primary focus is your resume. I pray you'd repent of that tonight. It's not from Jesus. You can build your resume, but that should not be your priority, okay? I said it. This is the second to last week, so I can say what I want. All right, you're going to be gone for summer. And the last thing is get desperate for more of God, all right? Get desperate for him. All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. So if you're in this room tonight, and if you want to just, like if you are not in relationship with Jesus right now, or if you once were and you've walked away, I pray tonight that, that you would give your heart to Jesus. I pray tonight that we only got two weeks left. So if you haven't done it yet, I pray tonight that you would make a decision to put your faith in Jesus, the name above every other name. So if you're in this room and you want to put your faith in Jesus tonight, if you want to trust him, if you want to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, or recommit yourself to that, can you just raise your hand? There's no one looking around. See that hand. See that hand. Is there anyone else? All right, we're going to pray for you quick. So I'm just going to pray a prayer of surrender, a prayer of asking God to save us. And you just pray that in your heart. Just pray whatever God leads you to pray as you pray that prayer. God, I just pray tonight. Each of us are sinners. We've fallen short. And God, we just put our trust in you. All of us, Lord. Like even if we've done it before, we just say tonight, God, we're trusting you that you paid our price on the cross. And God, that you desire a relationship with us. And it's only possible through Jesus, the way the truth, and the life. And tonight, we put our faith in you, the trustworthy name of Jesus. All right, so the second question is this. If you're in this room and you want to devote yourself to being about something that's not about you, if you want to give your life for something that that you may never see the results of as long as you're obeying God, if you want to do that, can you just raise your hand? This one's just between you and God. Tons of hands going up. Jesus, I pray that you would raise up a group of selfless students tonight, of selfless people. God, I pray for, her, for my own heart that this wouldn't be about me. God, I pray that, that none of this would be about us. It wouldn't be about us building something. It wouldn't be about us being a part of something amazing, although that's cool. God, I pray that it'd be about obeying your will for our lives, even when your will seems really small to us or it seems like we're not getting huge rewards. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. Thank you, God. Your name, amen. All right, so now we're going to sing Spirit Move. I pray that your heart would be moved as we sing it.